we have the answer. However, we do not know the question. Welcome back, everybody. This is Men Seeking Tomahawks, your guilty pleasure, your favorite thing that you do. You don't tell anybody about it. You don't want your friends to find out about it. This is the uh, Variety Talk and Independent Music Supercenter of your dreams. It is I, your trusted host, Mr. Super Fantastic, Jack Drastic. It is he, Mama's fancy boy, Danny Franks. Danny looking dapper over there. How is it going? <laughs> I, I, just looking the same as always. But no, I... I always dapper. What, what you said was probably true, that nobody tells their friends or their family they listen to us but i would love someone to i would love everyone to correct that mistake because there's only one way that this can get bigger and better than ever before and that's if everyone that listens tells a friend at least one friend like you have you have your family and you don't tell your secrets to them but everyone has that one friend maybe it's a pen pal or a confidant maybe they live with you maybe they don't maybe they're just online friends maybe they're twitter friends maybe you slip into each other's DMs. Whoever that person is in your life, at least tell that person. Yeah, the, the slipping into DMs person, don't tell them for sure. But I, I disagree with this entirely. <laughs> I think we need to continue to make small batch podcasts crafted by hand. That's are, what we need to do. They are that's what, we need to, that's what we need to specialize in. We don't need to go big time. No. We don't need that. No. Well, how how are you over there? What's uh, what's going on in, in, in your, your neck of the woods? Well... Funny you ask. I, I was woken up this morning, 3 a.m., got a text. Mm. That doesn't happen very often. You know, everyone who texts me basically lives in my house. That's one person. Or you. <laughs> um, and you're, 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 you had just gone to bed, I think, at 3 a.m., so it wasn't from yeah. you. Yeah. Um, but it was my Chase fraud alert text message. Oh, no. You know, the bank saying, was this charge like you that just just processed? Is this you doing it? Oh, so it was it was really Chase Bank. It wasn't just the uh, contact that you call Chase Bank in your phone. No, no, I, I hope not. Um, and it, and actually, it turns out it was not uh, that Chase Bank last name Bank. Ah. Um. But no, it was it was the fraud alert, and it said, "Did you just authorize a ninety eight dollar charge at Walmart dot com?" And I was like, "Asleep." I was reply right away. I was like, "No." It's like, "Thank you. We'll send you a new card." And like that was terrible. Like uh, that kind of woke me up for a minute because I was like, "Oh, oh no!" Like it's bad, but I also don't. I don't want a new card. Like that's bad too. And I was like thinking, "Okay, I'm, I'm not quite sure what this is." But at 3 a.m., like half half asleep, half awake, just went back to sleep. I think I'm fully awake after I get that text message. If I actually look at my phone after bedtime, after Betty bye, and and that's the text message that's waiting for me, I'm not. I'm not going back to sleep. So. It was like a half asleep reply. I, I don't know why it didn't wake me up all the way. But then I got up and I woke up, you know, several hours later in the morning and I was like, that, that was on my mind, obviously. I was like, what was that, anyways? So I go to my email and immediately I see something in my inbox and I was like, oh no. Because, Jack, about one month ago from today, I'd actually signed up for Walmart. Prime or Walmart Plus is what it's called. Are you familiar with Walmart Plus? No, but your slip there makes me think it's something to do with a competitor to Amazon's product. Yeah, so Walmart has been over the past few years trying to get into the Amazon Prime space 
where you know they've they've got warehouses everywhere and all these sellers that sell through their platform trying to become like an amazon.com competitor um actually i think they bought a company called jet.com which was an amazon um, competitor and kind of rolled that into their service but they have something called walmart plus which very similar to amazon prime it's roughly 98 dollars a year and you get you know same thing free shipping on stuff you buy just like with amazon prime uh and and i had heard about it and I was sold on the idea because, you know, Omicron's starting to pop up and all this stuff. And they do free grocery delivery from your local Walmart as a part of this Prime. So, again, about a month ago, I signed up for a 30-day free trial of this Amazon – or this, again, slip of the tongue uh, – competitor, Walmart Plus. And it's been great. been using it weekly to get our groceries. Uh, but, again, as I said, checked the inbox, immediately saw – Thank you for renewing. You know, your your annual membership has renewed for $98. And, of course, that's the amount from the fraud alert that I just said no to. And I immediately jump out of bed and call Chase. I'm like, please, I've had this card for, you know, six years. Everything's auto-charged auto to this card. Every website I order things from has this card on file. Uh, it's And they're like, oh, well, let me see what I can do. Like, we might be able to reverse it. And I was, oh, oh, thank you, please. Yes, yes. Comes back. How about this? We can overnight you your replacement card instead of sending it uh, regular mail. Uh, so, anyways, that's done. It's done. So, um, that sucks. Yeah, uh, we can't. We can't keep doing this. Like, we can't keep having to update passwords and change auto draft settings. I know. Like, I, I'm done. Like, I know there's a lot of people out there that are concerned about the mark of the devil. You know, once we all get barcodes on our heads, but just give me the head barcode. I don't. I don't care anymore. Just, just scan do me. it. Yeah. Just um, scan me. And so the, I don't want this to take up too much more of the show, but this is something that she said, which also confused me. And I, I don't know how things work. She said, but but if you use this card and already had it linked up to some of the big retailers, like like Amazon or your Apple Pay or your Google Wallet, if that old card was linked up there. Um, it'll still work. You don't have to worry about that. Like that, that'll still work. It's just, you know, you can't swipe that card anymore and you can't go to like smaller websites and, and use the card. And that really had me confused. She, and she didn't say like, it'll work temporarily until the new one's activated. She's like, that one like will always still work. How, how does that work? (laughs) I don't know. I don't know how things work, Dan. Yeah. This, I don't know how things work and it's getting worse. It, it is. really is. It's it's getting away from me, Dan. Yeah. But anyway, so yeah, yeah, the bright side that I'm looking towards because of this is we all have like auto payment stuff on that we forget about and slips through the monthly statements. So I, I am looking forward to kind of hitting the reset button there and getting those alerts on in my inbox saying, Hey, wait a second, like your your charge failed and it's some service that I signed up for three years ago and forgot about. So that'll be nice. Nice, Dan. That's yep. a that's a that's a little bit more life hackish. Does the Walmart uh, Prime competitor, the GoBot Prime that you have, does it have like Walmart TV? Like Amazon's got Amazon TV. Like I don't think so. I think it's just the retail side. Wouldn't that be just the worst thing? Like it would just be Duck Dynasty and like Jerry Springer. Just they, I can't think. What else would they possibly? What would their? What if it's I mean, not not <laughs> not to pigeonhole their uh, their uh, customer base too much, but what else are they are they into? What what if it's when you go to the electronics section and there's always that like random weird channel that's playing on all the TVs and it's usually like a little bit of football and a little bit of soccer. Oh, it's just it's just no, it's just they're gonna get the rights to Yellowstone and that's it. That's Your all favorite. we're gonna get to watch. My favorite. 
such a good show. Unlike ours, which is, uh, I mean, you know, we <laughs> surely struggle. there's more to it than that. I'm sure you have some kind of plan today. Oh, I do have a plan, Dan. Thanks for asking. So as we've mentioned on the program before, Dan and I are both graduates of the University of North Texas. UNT counts many notable people among its alumni, and one of the most notable, perhaps, has recently left this plane of existence. We will give a look back at this noteworthy person's life and review some of the other famous names that spent their college years at our alma mater. But first, let's say we give a listen to some independent musicians, and to keep it thematic this evening, we'll be featuring artists hailing from Denton, the home of the University of North Texas. So guys, coming up next, shocking death, shocking passing. But first, we're going to start off with a two-piece rock band forged in the darkness of the global pandemic. This is No Good Babies with End of the World, right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks. When it breaks, it'll finally come. When it's over, who would have won? Fight ourselves to the very of the world it is a two-piece band right out of denton texas I actually played there last night even though that means nothing to you given that this is a show that comes out about a week after we record it but they might have played last night too you never know we're willing that into into existence in the universe dan so that uh that band the no good babies features stephanie lescano on guitar and drummer Chelsea Danielle. If you would like to hear more from the No Good Babies, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. 
So, Dan, big news this week. I feel like uh, in our group chat, in the show prep chat that we have ongoing, we've been talking a lot lately about how a lot of people are dying. And uh, a lot of people of note, I can think of uh, at least three in the past week or so. And, uh, you know, before the end of days that we're enjoying these days, I felt like uh, I had this uh, thought process in my head. I feel like in 20 and 22, we've reached a point where we have a lot of celebrities, right? We have decades and decades worth of celebrities, and there's so many outlets and avenues for one to become a celebrity that I just feel numb to when a celebrity passes because there's just so many of them. And now you, you put on the multiplier that is COVID and you're like, okay, I just can't, I can't even keep track. Yeah. To your point about the lots of celebrities, I think it's because, and I wasn't around back then, but like in the tens, the twenties, the thirties, even the forties, like there weren't so many types of media that right. there weren't opportunities to as many opportunities to become famous. And because we had, three channels on television there's only three channels worth of like television shows to make people famous and all of that whereas now you're on little cable networks and you become famous you're on tiktok and you become famous so like you said there's just more outlets that means more celebrities and now with those like social media and new media type outlets now you can be younger and be a celebrity people live longer so you got olds that are celebrities you got betty white still that's you know nearly 100 and like a celebrity amongst all age groups. So yeah, it's, it's crazy how many celebrities we have now. And I think maybe now we're in that rolling period where we've kind of caught up, you know what I mean? Now we've got so many celebrities, maybe it'll just kind of, um, they'll die about at the same rate that they, not to sound morbid, but they'll kind of pass on at the same rate. They're kind of new ones are becoming celebrities. Maybe not saying I want that, just saying, I think maybe we're kind of at that point. And like you said, with uh, you know the crazy stuff happening in our world, that's definitely exacerbating uh, the the moving on to the next plane for for some of the older folks, for sure. And chief among them this week, right in front of us, is as I said, a a person of substantial import. If you're a rock and roll enthusiast, who also just happened to attend our university. And I am speaking of one Michael Lee Aday, also known as Meatloaf, Dan. So, loaded question. I know how little you pay attention <laughs> to any music at all, but uh, what is your what is your knowledge of Meatloaf? It would be his association with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, a movie that I've not seen in full, but I'm very familiar with it and the things that happen around it. Um, and then several of his songs, and it's, it was one of those things that up until yesterday when it happened, I hadn't like looked into, like, hey, what, what are all our Meatloaf's songs? But I would hear a song, see you know the artist Meatloaf, and I'd be like, oh, like it's a familiar song. Like, I won't do that. I don't know what that song's called. Um, but several songs that he's famous for, when I hear him see their meatloaf, that's kind of my uh, my tying back to them or to him. Yeah, I, I think that's where I'm going to head with this myself is the the movie, the actor status of this individual. But 
it's, it is definitely worth mentioning that this guy became, oddly enough, one of the most popular musicians of all time. Uh, we're talking about a person who has sold uh, more than 100 million records. Crazy. He's one of the best-selling artists of all time. He's a Grammy Award winner. Uh, he's, he, you know, it's funny because it's hard when speaking to people who are really into music. This is not an individual who really attained the highest levels of fame here, but in Britain, he's considered one of the most legendary icons in, in rock and roll. So and was he just a singer? He didn't play instruments. He was a, an instrumentalist as well. I believe he was a guitarist, but certainly most well known for his powerful vocals. And so neither I, I enjoyed listening to some meatloaf. Definitely not the thing I was most into ever but respected at least. I would say, though, that my, my recognition of him came more from the acting side. You mentioned Rocky Horror Picture Show, which is a fantastic movie. Definitely think you should watch that in full sometime soon. But also Fight Club. He played a uh, pivotal role in that movie, a funny, a funny character. Uh, also had uh, interweavings with uh, Tenacious D, which I thought, you know, they their their appreciation and respect for him made me more appreciate Meatloaf because of the uh, the Tenacious D hard rocker kind of reverence that they that they portrayed for guys like Meatloaf like Dio. So you kind of knew, okay, ten, the D likes these dudes. So awesome. I get it. I understand it. Yeah, and before we before we move on from Meatloaf, one more thing that I thought was um sh- should be said is he has recently come in the news because he was an outspoken anti-vaxer and things like that and he happened to also pass away from COVID. So that's something as we're talking about the the issues happening right now. Um that's something that came upon him. Uh but something that also happened around this time that is more funny than than him passing away was the Weber Grills email. Um, I'm not sure if you saw this, but uh, it was passed around social media where Weber Grills happened to that same morning that Meatloaf passed away or that it was announced that he had passed on. Their recipe of the week to cook over the weekend on the Weber Grill happened to be a Meatloaf recipe. And... <laughs> That was not uh, that was not what was passed around. It was their apology email that they sent out later in the day, where they came out and very sincerely and very uh, very much over the top wanted to make sure everybody knew that it was a mere coincidence that they schedule these weekly recipes very far in advance, and it was just a very poor coincidence that the recipe of the week was uh, meatloaf and they apologized to anyone who was offended by that mistake. Um, yeah, that's so, that's so great. Now I think they should have just owned it. Be like what better way to celebrate meatloaf's <laughs> life than with having the meatloaf of your life on your Weber yeah. grill. Gosh, it's so funny. The, the brand fear, the fear of the brand 
stepping on the on the toes you know like is that, that like cancelable material like are we gonna should, should we have to cancel weber grills because of of that no. no even even if they had purposefully done it no and yeah. that's it's it's a funny thing that that whole thing it'll be forgotten in five seconds yep but it is it is worth noting you know i i think that smarter people than me probably have conflicting thoughts on meatloaf the person not the dish although no let's not go let's just see a shiny object we gotta go there but with with this guy you know he he you know he he definitely made some controversial statements he was he was never an iconic what i can't even say that he was iconic here but it was always weird and he was he was in poor health for a long time. I remember a few years ago. He was a larger gentleman. He was. He was. And I remember a few years ago seeing footage of him like collapsing on a stage or something like that. So I just feel like this is going to serve as a good on ramp for us to be able to talk about, you know, kind of a quick hitty thing with a lot of the interesting people that you probably don't know went to our school, but it's a nifty list. And I think that it's neat to, you know, I think it's, it's, it's definitely worth noting this person meatloaf because he's had such a strong cultural impact, even though he was never quite a mainstay, I guess if that's fair to say. And again, I'm not the smartest person to be commenting on this, but I do think that if you look at people online saying, oh, this guy was a was a rock god, oh, this guy was an effing moron, it really runs the gamut of, of how people are, are interpreting the legacy there. And I think that's what it is. I think that's really what it is, is it's a conflicted one. Yeah, but, but it's, it's a, you know, I, I say exciting, but it's, it's good to give us, like you said, this jump off point because it's leading into what I think would be a pretty interesting conversation. So let's do that. Let's do that, Dan. So guys, coming up next, stay hard, Meatloaf, by the way, BTW. But after this, uh, we're going to go ahead and kind of give you a rundown of some of the people on the list of, of former attendees to the University of North Texas. But first, Dan... We're going to keep with our theme of listening to Denton-related musicians. We're going to move over to a doom metal group, Dan. We just don't play enough doom metal anymore. I know you were saying that the other day. So, guys, this is off the album Time, Death, Void, Dream. This is the Denton area band Strays with the song Parallax right here on Men Seeking Tomahawks. The Roma Same burning cloud Producing his time 
the album Time, Death, Void, Dream. That was Denton Area Band Strays with the song Parallax. A little bit of doom metal for you, Dan. Nothing to get you cheered up in a good mood like doom metal. Agreed. And why not? But it is fun. It is fun to hear a couple of a uh, couple of the bands the kids are listening to there in Denton, Dan. We we had fond times. Heck yeah. A wide spe- spectrum. That was one of the cool things about Denton is you would pop into the same venue two nights in a row and you might hear a you know, two women in an awesome duet, followed by the next night a doom metal show. Never know what you're going to get, and I kind of liked that. You're going to get quality, Dan. That's what you're going to get. We uh we had fond times. We had good times there at the the University of North Texas, and this list is a, a very eclectic mix of fascinating individuals who also shared time in Denton, Texas, and Dan just a uh, just a little bit of programming on the fly my thought here was that you and i could bounce back and forth with some of the individuals that we wanted to maybe riff on a little bit and uh you know see what happens cool and i hope it's okay with you i sprinkle in some non-music alumni as well well that's the neat thing about denton is that it's definitely known as a music town but that is that is not at all what it's limited to so we uh we say goodbye to meatloaf but uh, more ways is, than one, he is uh, definitely not where this list ends because another individual who is of great import to the music the music business, and also one that definitely acquired mainstream status. I'm speaking of Don Henley, Dan, he of the Eagles. Which I always liked the the irony that the University of North Texas mascot is the Eagle, and he went on to be potentially one of the the most well known musicians ever come out of the school and be in a band called the Eagles. And I'm I'm thinking that's a coincidence, but I like to sometimes pretend it's not. Yeah, so it's probably something I would have liked to know the answer to before recording this. But it is very interesting that the uh, as you said, the mascot is the Eagles, and Don Henley attended. So the Eagles are, are, are a very divisive band in their own nature. Polarizing. So much so. Because so, like, everybody, everybody of our generation, there was an LP or a cassette or a CD of their greatest hits, volumes one and two. Uh, it's definitely a, a band that's probably been played on the, the radio about a billion gazillion times. And it's really a fascinating deep dive because they were super popular. And to translate this into something that my audience, Dan, might understand, (laughs) they're kind of the Hulk Hogan of rock because they were super duper popular. But all the other musicians in the room were kind of like, they didn't really get it, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense, and that's, you know, that was kind of going to be my question about Meatloaf, too, and I don't want to go back there, but, you know, is this somebody who's respected by musicians, or is this somebody that just had a few hits, or a lot of hits, and then people just kind of latched on? No, um, they, yeah, no, they they were very respected. Don't get me wrong. I would say that very similar to to Meatloaf, like you, like you just referenced, it was a band that, I mean, they've had staying power that's unlike most bands. And 
they have put out some of the most iconic records, singles uh, of all time. But it's it's worth going back. And again, don't put us in your bibliography. It's worth going back and finding the source material of some of those uh, California sound bands uh, that came out of that era and how many of them felt like the the Eagles kind of ended the scene somehow. I can see both sides of the argument. I can see how beloved this band is and I can also see, I can also kind of understand the other side of it being you know uncertain about their, you know, how cool the dudes were or not. So can I can I share with you my what introduced me to Don Henley in the first place and my, you know, limited music uh, catalog and that was yes, in the early 2000s which I've I've told you before is kind of my limited wheelhouse for music when I was really into it uh, a punk band called the Ataris came ah. out with a cover of the Boys of Summer yeah which it was not an Eagle song it was a Don Henley specific song when he did some solo work and uh yeah so I, I really liked that song and come to find out oh there was an original version of this song and it was this guy Don Henley and then one thing led to another and oh he he actually also went to the school that is down the road that I eventually ended up going to. So that was kind of my funny connection. Then, of course, you know, then I've heard Eagle songs and stuff like Hotel California and some of the really mainstream ones. But Don Henley specifically, that's how I first kind of came to to know about him. That's that's interesting, but it makes sense for a a kid of your of your era, Dan. So so, yeah, kind of neat that uh, Don Henley also attended our school. What say you? What? What? what interesting, notable, notable do you have for us? Yeah, so I want to bring it back to sports. <laughs> you know. Because, I figured. It's yeah, okay. get it away from music for a minute. Yeah. Um, and, and there was three kind of notable athletes for different reasons that I wanted to just briefly highlight here. One being, you mentioned professional wrestling and Hulk Hogan. Um, somebody that a lot of people found as kind of the antithesis of Hulk Hogan in the next genre era after him was Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, who saw you know WWE rise to their their most popular time period they were ever in, uh, and he happens to be a former University of North Texas football player. So he came, I guess, as like a linebacker to UNT, um, got hurt, kind of rehabbed, ended up as a defensive end. Uh, but the funny thing about that was while he was playing, and I guess this was before football. I don't want to say before it was so serious, but when NFL players had summer jobs and college players would also have jobs and do things on the nights and weekends it wasn't like so regimented like it is now and he started training to become a professional wrestler in dallas at the famous sportatorium kind of on off nights from practice which still is kind of crazy to think about that kind of thing happening now but i think he was like one semester away from graduating from north texas and the wrestling thing kind of started taking off and he just he left. Football season was over. He had one more semester, but became a full-time wrestler, and uh, you know the rest. Rest of the story is there. I mean, I think worth noting with with Steve Austin, probably one of the what top three most popular wrestlers of all time. Still has like the best-selling T-shirt in the history of of the sport of the business, and that's important. T-shirts are important. T-shirt sales are very important. <laughs> But I want to say this because Dan and I were all, were professional wrestlers in Denton. We had a we had a television program that we that we were a part of there in town. We we trained together there, 
And one of the the kind of the neat feelings that I found because I you know I came to Denton knowing the history of wrestling in the area, and that was one of the the, the driving factors for me to head north from Houston and to see what was left. And one of the artifacts I found was a tiny gem off of the square called Myotech. Mm. And it was just the, the, the coolest old school seventies gym. I mean, the, the, the equipment had not changed since the seventies. Ne- neither had the owner, a little, little guy named Dan also short, but he was stout. So short be careful calling stout. Dan little. He'll hunt hey, you down. Yeah. I, I hope he doesn't. I, ho- I kind of hope he does. I just like to we need to find Dan. <laughs> yeah. We, we, we need to find Dan. But it was really neat because this was the gym that Steve Austin worked out at in town. And so you're, you know, it was so, it's so, you go to an, uh, you know, a big box gym now and who cares? It's just, you know, whatever. But to go to a place like that where you're slapping plates onto a barbell and you're like, wow, these are the same plates that Steve Austin slammed like oh, this is awesome you know it was it was just such a cool place we would actually have famous wrestlers come to town and i would bring them to that gym and they're like this place is legit so that was that was a really cool feeling uh but just a quick funny story my very very tertiary seven layers of kevin bacon story about steve austin was that uh back when uh i was in school the the guy who ran myotech uh, was looking to get a new computer and I offered to give him my student discount to get a Macintosh because, you know, I was just trying to help him out. And he's like, it's funny because the last guy that, that offered to do that for me was Steve Austin. And so, you know, that kind of gave me the, the, that kind of gave me the, the warm and fuzzy. So that is warm and fuzzy. So I'll, I'll hit you with one more athlete here, and that's definitely the most famous athlete that ever went to the University of North Texas, and that's Mean Joe Green, probably the the most famous uh, NFL player to definitely to come out of North Texas, but considered like a top three defensive player in the history of, of the sport. Mm-hmm. He's won four Super Bowl rings, which very few people can say, uh, with the Steelers in, in the 70s. Uh, defensive player of the year a couple years, and member of the Pro Football Hall of Fame, College Football Hall of Fame, just all the accolades you can think of. And a lot of people actually know him best from the Coca-Cola commercial um, that aired during one of the Super Bowls. I think it was Super Bowl fourteen, And it's the the commercial where he's kind of limping off uh, down down the ramp after the football game's over. And, and some little kid comes out from nowhere and says, hey, you know, Mean Joe, good game or whatever. And uh, Mean Joe's just like, uh, you know, get out of here, kid. I'm, I'm tired. I'm, I'm beat up. And then the kid offers him a Coke, Jack. And that Coca-Cola classic offering is what, you know, turned Mean Joe's frown upside down. Uh, he grabbed the Coke and tossed him his, his sweaty towel, and the kid was, uh, his day was made. And it's funny, after coming out of halftime at every North Texas football game, that's, that's a commercial they play, kind of a, a nostalgic throwback. And, and, you know, funny enough, a lot of people would think that uh, the University of North Texas mascot, their, their team name is the Mean Green. So the Eagles, the mascot, kind of like, Alabama Crimson Tide is their name, but they have, I think, like an elephant or something as their uh, as their mascot. Same thing here, and uh, Mean Joe Green is actually called Mean Joe Green because he came from the the Mean Green football team. So fun kind of tie in there to one of the best football players of all time. Well, it is funny, but it's also again very confusing because you have, like we said with Don Henley, you have 
Don Henley's an eagle who went <laughs> to a school called the Eagles, and then Mean Joe Green went to the school that's called the Mean Green. It's I don't like it. It just doesn't. I need answers. I should I should have them for you, but I don't. Well, you want one funny little story about Mean Joe? Is his name is actually Charles Edward Green. Joe is nowhere in his name, but his aunt thought that he had the fighting spirit like Joe Lewis, the boxer. So she just started calling him Joe, and he liked the name Joe more than he liked the name Charles or Edward. So he just started going by Joe from from that point forward, and and that's what we know him as. That that story <laughs> does not make me happy. <laughs> like that just sounds like uh, we're just uh, glazing over Nana's Alzheimer's. Like just. Hey Joe, I'm not Joe. Why is she calling me Joe? You know that that's. Well, just go with it. I kind of like it. (laughs) Shut up. You just go with it. You're Joe now. All right. So Australian Open. I'm serving the ball back to you. Your turn. Okay. So uh, my next entry is one of uh, it's one of personal importance, and obviously, and it's not an athlete, not a musician. I am speaking of one Joe Don Baker again an alumni of the University of North Texas. Now, a lot of you are most likely saying, who the F is Joe Don Baker? Well, Joe Don Baker was a uh, an actor, and uh, he showed up in, in many notable roles. You probably, if you ever watched a James Bond movie in the mid-'90s, you, you've probably seen him a time or two. But why, is he, why he is of great importance to me is because one evening as a boy... I was flicking around the UHF VHF knobs on my little teeny tiny TV next to my bed. And I found a television program that would change my life by the name of mystery science theater 3000. And the very first episode I saw was something that I've never forgotten. Had me hurting from laughing so hard. And if you're unfamiliar, mystery science theater 3000 is a show where a guy and two robots sit in a theater, and make fun of bad movies. Now, this episode was an episode in which they were making fun of a movie called Mitchell. <laughs> okay. Starring Joe Don Baker as a, uh overweight cop with an attitude. So effing funny. And so Joe Don Baker might not be super happy that my knowledge of him had mostly to do with a bad movie that he was in that got made fun of on Mystery Science Theater. But man, the joy, the absolute joy that that brought to me will always leave it to where Jodon Baker has a place in my heart. And uh, the neat thing, something that I've always uh, wanted to tell Dan thank you for, was that Dan, being the, uh, the founder and president of the world's largest podcast conference, he uh, sometimes invites his little buddy Jack to go and do odd jobs for him. And one of the evenings that I was attending the conference, I was announcing the awards ceremony that Dan hosted. And somehow or another, Dan landed a uh, special guest for that show. It was none other than Joel Hodgson, who was the... uh, the creator of Mystery Science Theater. And I got to meet him and tell him that exact story about how 
I found Mitchell one evening and uh, it was a game changer for me and probably one of the most joyful parts of my childhood. So got to give Mr. Joel Hodgson a hug and uh, I thank you, Dan, for that. And uh, thanks, Joe Don Baker, too. Good story. So I've got a good story, but I'm going to, this is a volley that you just sent back to me and I'm going to send it to you again real quick for a background, but uh, this is a business mogul, we'll call him, that went to the University of North Texas, very famous in, in this part of the world. Um, Jim McInvale, better mm. known as Mattress Mac, the proprietor of a gigantic uh, independently Huge. owned furniture store down in Houston. So before I get to some of his accolades, Jack, can you give us your local perspective on, on Mattress Mac? Well, I'll never forget, shop at Gallery 684-5570. So yeah, uh, Mattress Mac, as he's fondly known, is a uh, Houston uh, mainstay. He uh, spent my childhood in the commercial space between uh, my TV shows. Uh, waving the money that he was going to save you. He'd jump up in the air and say he'd save you money. Definitely uh, hugely popular. I know that most of my furniture growing up came from gallery furniture, uh, but also a really great guy. Yeah. Uh, just as a, a one, one example, that uh, whenever hurricanes hit Houston, which they do frequently, he opens up the showroom there at gallery furniture so that people can come in and, and, and seek shelter being a safe, warm, dry place to to get some, you know, some some shelter, some shut eye. I actually went to school, went to North Tech when I went to North Texas. One of his sons was attending. I had a couple of, of uh, classes with him, and uh, it was funny to tell him, "Hey, I think I, you know, I think most of my furniture growing up came from your dad's place." And you know, he he had some line about, you know, thanks for paying for my tuition. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, very very fond of that guy. Yeah, unlike his uh, another big name in in Houston, Joel Osteen, who shuts mm. the doors whenever the uh, the hurricanes or the power goes out, um, he makes sure that everyone stays on the street cold. Uh, yeah, Mattress Mac. Most recently, when we had all these crazy power failures and frozen tundra like temperatures here in Texas, opened up his uh, furniture store there to give people some warmth. So that was awesome. Um, what I the stories I find most funny is he's always doing crazy gimmicks, and often they involve. Uh, like bets on sports teams and free furniture if certain teams win or lose. So I guess he's a, a notorious for loving to gamble, and he's got so much money that he, these these bets are often millions and millions of dollars worth of money on the line. Um, but he then will use those bets like as insurance for giving away a bunch of free furniture. So um, one that he was notorious for most recently – was the Super Bowl, the most recent Super Bowl with Tampa Bay. Um, he bet $3.4 million that if uh, Tampa that Tampa Bay would win. And he had this window of time where if you as a customer spent over $3,000 at Gallery Furniture, if his bet hit, then your furniture was free. He'd give you your money back. Oh, wow. And he won. But, but it's great because for him, he would win – like $35 million on this bet, but then he would refund, you know, 10 or $15 million worth of furniture. So he won. If he wins, he wins and his customers win. So it's kind of genius. Also, if you lose, he lost the, the $3.4 million. And that happened in the most recent World Series. Mm -hmm. So being in Houston and Houston Astros being very good a, a baseball team lately, 
He bet on the Astros winning, which they did not. Um, that was a $3.25 million bet, which he lost. But because of that that promotion and people wanting to buy furniture to hopefully get it for free, he actually sold $25 million worth of furniture around that bet. So even though he lost his $3 million, he ended up coming out ahead. Um, so just like crazy stuff that like you don't hear a lot of – like nowadays everything's corporate owned. So Ikea is not yeah. going to run something like that. But because yeah. this is a furniture store that he owns and operates and kind of calls all the shots on, does crazy stuff like that. So it's no wonder that he – that you as a local you know, kid remember all the crazy stuff he did because uh, he, he does it. And he's awesome and you know happy to have him as an alum. Yeah, no kidding. He – you know, there, these these story like these stories just don't happen anymore, and it's so cool that it's a guy who seems like he's a decent human being who's just doing wild ass things. And man, I mean, I haven't been back home in quite a while, but just seeing the growth of that store, it that that guy just I mean, you say he wins gambling bets sometimes. That guy's just one life. I mean, he is. He's already one life, so the rest of it is just icing. But man, that place, that store used to be like a tent, and now it's like a castle. It's a it's a GD fortress. It's huge. It's insane. So good on you, man. Go mean green. So Dan, uh, my next entry that that I wanted to mention here uh, before we run out of time is uh, Peter Weller. That may that name might not mean much to you or or to many people. But uh, that is RoboCop, Dan. Can you believe that stinking RoboCop went to our school? Well, you know, it was not a mystery to me to learn that because our local Whataburger, which people in Texas love their Whataburger, the local one that was near campus uh, around the perimeter of the inside of the store had pictures of some of these famous alumni that we're mentioning. Some of them were on the wall. Uh, and there was a big picture of RoboCop right there, which was always funny because it wasn't necessarily a picture of the actor. It was a picture of one of his, well, his his best known role. Um, yeah, Peter Weller, the RoboCop, at least from RoboCop 1 and 2. Yeah, and and a very illustrious career. He actually, when you go down that rabbit hole, he he did quite a bit of stuff. So, so yeah, uh, not much more to say there, Dan. So uh, the, the ball is in your court. So then back to me for the, we'll, we'll call it the last one, and I, and I figured because this was a music-started episode and a lot of yours were musicians, uh, I'd just do a real quick hitter where we run down some of the other famous, well-known musicians. And stop me if anything's super exciting for you here, but we had Dale Baker, who was the drummer for Sixpence None the Richer. Fun little 90s act. Uh, Jim Baggios, the drummer of the Counting Crows, and ironically enough, in this weird irony episode, also played for Cheryl Crow, um, kind of weird, <laughs> <laughs> as well as Eric Clapton and Prince. Um, Pat Boone, who I definitely saw his face from a few episodes ago when I was at the Country Music Hall of Fame, um, big in the 50s. Uh, Brave Combo, one of our most well-known Grammy Award-winning polka bands. We joke about polka sometimes, but uh, Brave Combo is... All-Star Polka Band. Greatness. Greatness. Uh, Nora Jones, nine-time oh. Grammy Award-winning vocalist. She is awesome. and so good. She might be, like, right now, these days, like, our most well-known musician out there, would you say? Absolutely. She's awesome. Uh, we have Jeff Coffin, the saxophonist from the Dave Matthews Band. That's a biggie. Uh, David Hungate, the former bass player for the band Toto, who have had a resurgence with the, the song Africa. You You can't get away from it. We have a double doozy here. Uh, two people from the original Saturday Night Live band, 
Uh, Tom Bones Malone was the trombonist, and Lou Marini was the saxophonist. Uh, also fun, where they were both backers to the Blues Brothers when Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi took the hmm. act on tour. Um, also from the movies, they were both there. So that was kind of a cool, fun uh, duet there. Uh, another face from the Country Music Hall of Fame visit, Marin Morris, Grammy Award-winning country singer and songwriter. She's she's hip these days. She might be right up there with Nora Jones's current famous musicians. Uh, Roy Orbison, Jack, from the Oh Pretty Woman fame. That's a fun one. Wow. Yeah. The Traveling Wilburys. There you go. And then um, the, the last one I want to go with here is a band that actually all the band members attended the school and they all met at University of North Texas, the Eli Young Band. Kind of a fun little... It's a popular uh, one. Yeah, popular one. They've they've uh, charted eight times on Billboard, four singles reached number one, so a fun little act. And, and what I appreciate about them is they're coming back to campus. They do shows probably once a year at our, at our super pit here, um, right around homecoming. And Jack, they didn't forget where they came from, just like you and I. We don't forget where we came from. We did not. We did not, Dan. Such a such an illustrious list. So crazy. And apologies now, to everyone who wasn't mentioned, right? Yeah. And and I'm and, and funny enough because we we definitely are not mentioning everybody. I'm going to mention people that weren't alumni when I say that it's worth also mentioning that although Scott Bakula and Sinbad did not attend the University of North Texas, they did film Necessary Roughness there, which I the jury remains out on whether or not that movie holds up but it was it was filmed right there right then and there in denton dan yeah the i think they changed the name to texas state was the name of the football team there which at the time there was no texas state and now there is that's kind of funny you know dan there is one unt alumni that we haven't mentioned yet tonight and it's kind of driving me crazy that we haven't done so yet well i mean we we reviewed the list together so i'm surprised you didn't bring this up earlier I know, I know. It kind of slipped my mind until just now. But uh, to set the table, I, d- I don't know how many people remember this, but back in the day, Denton, Texas, actually had its very own nightly news program called the Denton Nightly News. And it was anchored forever by University of North Texas alum slash friend of the show, Bonnie Babcock. How have we not talked about Bonnie? I mean, she was like the Barbara Walters of Denton is what they referred to her as. Yeah, I think she had that tattooed on her lower back from what I remember. Uh, we we actually, in our original 82 series, we, we interviewed her a time or two. I don't know if she's still alive. Uh, she was at an advanced age and uh, declining mental cognition. That was at least five years ago. Yeah, that was back when we met her. Now, you know, back then, we didn't really have much other than hearsay and legend, as it were, about uh, her being a news anchor. But, but Dan, I've actually done some digging. And hold on a second. I didn't have this ready because I, I really, like I said, I didn't really think about this. But I, I had found some clips of her original broadcasts. They're, they're actually on the internet. Wow. They're on internet now, Dan. I've actually never seen or heard the broadcast, just knew her in her later days. Yeah, I know. So this is going to be kind of interesting. I haven't really given these a listen yet. Uh, do you want to, do you think we should play them on the show? Yeah, hook it up. Do you know how? Okay, so this this first one says uh, Sock Puppet. I, I, I don't know, maybe there was like a kids show or something going on in town. Oh, cool. Here, let's play it. 
Welcome to the Denton Nightly News. I'm Bonnie Babcock. There she is. There she is. A frightening scene unfolded tonight just outside a downtown Denton bar as a woman was robbed at gunpoint. The masked assailant took the woman's purse, jewelry, and the keys to her fabulous 1976 Oldsmobile Cutlass Supreme. Fabulous. The armed attacker remains at large. For more on this story now, we turn to this dramatic reenactment using the latest in sock puppet technology. What? Oh. Hey, lady, <laughs> give me your purse. <laughs> oh, no, please what? don't hurt me. Just give me the goods and you won't get hurt. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh. And now, here's Pete Delkis with the weather. What? Okay, hold on. Pete Delkis was there. That's a deep track cut for anybody in... Uh... <laughs> in Dallas here. Wow, I, I didn't know he'd been around that long. He he is a, a trusted weatherman, and I this first clip I've ever heard of Bonnie Babcock is a trusted reporter or anchor, I guess you could say, and reenactor and all a <laughs> little bit of everything. Well, you know, and and you know, I think that it's important to point out that this was decades and decades ago. So you know, if 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 you're listening now and this sounds a little bit different, just understand that you know nightly news was kind of approached a different way back then and the one thing i did know about the denton nightly news was that they were trailblazers right they i mean that's what everybody around town always says is that when they brought you the news they did it in a way that nobody else could and this is kind of like a precursor to some of these shows like unsolved mysteries and america's most wanted where they would tell you the story and then they would have to throw it to a reenactment of the crime or, or whatever happened, the mystery, and seems like Bonnie Babcock maybe was the trailblazer for that style. Mm, wow. Do you want to hear another one? I'd love to. Here, I've got, a, I've got another. Here, let me see if I can get it. Mm. This one says musical. Maybe, uh, maybe there was a cool musical that came to town. Oh, nice. Here we go. As we begin our broadcast this evening, we have a very special announcement. As the Denton Nightly News continues to be a trailblazer in the broadcast journalism, trailblazer? we have developed a new way to make stories more engaging for our audience. So tonight, we present a television news first. Our entire broadcast will be delivered in the form of a song. No way. Accompanying vocalist Bonnie Babcock. Oh, of course. I am pleased to welcome to the program guitarist Bonnie Babcock. What? <laughs> A forlorn fire at the gazebo A bomb is yesterday Consume three apartment units Before being extinguished By the Denton Residents experience minor injuries. Oh no. But no fatality. Oh, good. Oh, that's good. Yeah. Were reported. With the exception oh, no. Oh, no. of an orange tabby cat. Oh, I'm sorry, Jack. Mr. Fancy Mittens <laughs> Who is pronounced dead At a local Emergency Animal Clinic Sometime 
Wow. Holy cow, Dan. Have you ever heard a, uh, a newscast brought to you in that modality? No. So I guess maybe we're seeing the, the polarity here in the, the first clip that we heard where it sounds like what Bonnie did was setting the stage for what happened later on in news and reporting. Whereas this, this is the first time I've ever heard this. And knowing that this happened several decades ago and, and no one else has done it since then. Uh, I, and I'm not going to say that it was because it was not a success because that was amazing. Maybe it's just because who else would possess the talent to be able to replicate that other than Bonnie Babcock herself? Yeah, she's pretty much the in, the start and the finish of that list. I don't know about you, Dan, but just listening to that uh, musical rendition telling me about a fire at a local apartment complex, I was there. I was freaking there, yet I wasn't because of Bonnie, because of that, that song. It, it pulled me through the decades in, into being a witness to the calamity. I got to tell you, Jack, this is uh, I'm so happy you found this footage or this uh, archival audio. It's so much better than those crazy bits that we used to do on the show. I'm so done with bits. Yeah, w- so when we have bits. stuff like this, like it, it's hard to match. Like I, I wish you had another. As a matter of fact, Dan, I have one more. And um, I'm a little bit uh, nervous about playing this because it, it says final broadcast. So as as quickly as we have in- reintroduced Bonnie Babcock to the program, this is her, I'm assuming, her final... Bro- I was wrong about the puppet show, obviously. I was wrong about the musical, so maybe this isn't her final recording, but it does say final broadcast. So you ready? Let's give it a listen. All right, let me cue up the tape recorder. And finally this evening, a bit of personal news and a heartfelt goodbye. Oh, no. After 27 years on the air at the Denton Nightly News, this will be the last sign-off for me, Bonnie Babcock. It has been an honor bringing you the news from the sprawling metropolis of Denton, Texas. What's next for me? Well, I have joined on with a collective living down in Waxahachie called The Sons and Daughters of Our Holographic Lord, Zizop Malacatius of Planet Clorbador. What? Now, I know what has been reported previously about the sons and daughters of our holographic Lord, Zizop Malacatius of Planet Clorbador, on this very station. By me. But I want all of you to know that I don't consider the sons and daughters of our holographic lord, Zizop Malacatius of Planet Chlorbidor, (laughs) to be so much as a cult, as I think of them as a relatively small group of people having religious beliefs or practices regarded by others as strange or sinister. Okay. And so, signing off for the last time, this is Bonnie Babcock. Saying, may our holographic lord, Zizop Malacatius of Planet Clorbador, gloop all of your strudels. Good night. And that's it. That's the end of the tape. Jack, I have chills. Like, look at my, look at the, the goosebumps. My, the hair on my arm yeah. is standing up on its, on its end. I see that. I, I can, I'm a witness to the fact that uh, Dan has the goosebumps right now, guys. Jack, I-, I think this footage needs to go directly to the the University of North Texas Library. Like this, this alumnus of the university needs to be remembered. Well, here's the question, Dan. I mean, we we had her, we kind of had her on the show prior, 
blindly, right? We had no idea about this. Uh... If I remember correctly, she just kind of wandered in the studio and wanted to report things to us, and we weren't really sure oh, what that right. was. So, and that's how we knew about her. Like, people didn't re- don't remember her like they should. Yeah, that's a shame. That's a shame. But okay, let me let me just let me throw this out there. Okay. I don't know if you've been by the University of North Texas Stadium, but there is a giant life-size statue of Mean Joe Green, who we mentioned just a few minutes ago. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's a radio, television, and film building on campus there. I, do you see where I'm going here? Like, I think there needs to be a life-size bronze statue of Bonnie Babcock in the famous Mean Joe Green pose in front of the building there. Dan, stop digging. You just hit oil. I think uh, I, I, I think the, the the statue is a no brainer. The question I have for you, Dan, is: Do we have the courage to have Bonnie back on the show live after hearing what we just heard? Well, it's going to be tough to find her if she's dead. Very tough. Very tough. But my counter argument is: If she's not dead then it will be easier to find her. I see I see where you're going there. I can I I can correlate your your thought process there and I like it. Let's like do it. this. All right. Bonnie, if you can hear our voices, find us. Find men seeking tomahawks will meet you at the statue. All right. There you have it guys. The the gauntlet has been set or dropped or whatever it is you're supposed to do with the gauntlet. <laughs> But in the meantime, this is the end of the Men Seeking Tomahawks once again. Be sure to subscribe to the program over on your favorite podcast app. Become a tomahawk-seeking person by joining the conversation with Jack and Dan over on the social media. Dan, have you heard of the social before? I've used it. Mmm, bragger. And to hear more from the musicians featured on today's program, go to menseekingtomahawks.com. For Dan, I'm Jack. For Jack, I'm Dan. Go Mean Green!